اشهد ان محمد رسول الله حيا على صلاة حيا على الفلاح حيا على الله الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى اله واصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا ايها الناس قد جاءتكم موعظه من ربكم وشفاء لما في الصدور وهدى ورحمه للمؤمنين قل بفضل الله وبرحمته فبذلك فليفرحوا هو خير مما يجمعون صدق الله العظيم صدق رسوله النبي الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على درود شريف اللهم صل على سيدنا مولانا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا مولانا محمد وصحبه وبارك وسلم مولاي صل وسلم دائما ابدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم most respected ulama respected elders dear brothers and our young friends the month of ramadan al-mubarak has many specialities and the choicest of blessings of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are demonstrated in the month of ramadan so from the aspect of fasting and soul and the aspect of qiyam and standing in salah and the aspect of charity and sadaqa and the different forms of sadaqa and charity that are given in this blessed month throughout the tasbihat in the adhkar and the dhikr of this month patience of this month and every other aspect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has brought into the equation as far as Ramadan al-Mubarak is concerned the crowning jewel of the month of Ramadan al-Mubarak is the Quran al-Karim and this is the binding factor the Quran al-Karim brings together all the different bounties of Ramadan and it pieces together the special month of Ramadan for the believer and therefore we find that Ramadan is shahrul Quran it is shahrul sabr it is the month of Quran the month of sabr and importantly it is the month of the heart Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's focus on, on as far as a believer is concerned is upon his heart and that is why in the hadith nabi karim sallallahu alaihi wasallam has told us that inna allah la yanzuru ila suwarikum wa amwalikum allah subhanahu wa ta'ala really does not concern himself with your outward appearance with the, what you really wear with how you dress with your lifestyle that does not concern allah subhanahu wa ta'ala those are just means for a person to be able to traverse the journey of life wala ki yanzuru ila qulubikum 
but Allah Ta'ala's focus really is upon the heart of him, upon this very important vessel. And therefore Allah's declaration in the Quran Al-Karim to all of us is, يَوْمَ لَا يَنْفَعُ مَالُ وَلَا بَلُونَ in this month of Ramadan al-Mubarak and every other month and day of our life, one of our priorities that we should always keep in front of us is the purification and the rectification of the vessel of the heart. Because on the day of Qiyamah, when a person will stand for accountability in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, la yanfa'u mal wa la banun. All of those things that we depend on today for our support, for our comfort, for our leisure, for our, for, for, for giving us some form of security and satisfaction. All of these things will not be able to come to our assistance or our rescue on the day of Qiyamah. Except that person who presents himself in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a guarded heart, with a pure heart, with a rectified heart. So this aspect of Qalbi Salim is something which comes into focus in the month of Ramadan al-Mubarak. And therefore we find that the impact of the Qur'an al-Kareem on the heart is so profound that it has been recorded that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the Qur'an al-Kareem in the month of Ramadan. The month of Ramadan became the most significant and virtuous month. The Qur'an al-Kareem was revealed on the night of Qadr. The night of Qadr became the most significant night. The Qur'an al-Kareem was revealed through the messenger Jibreel alayhi salam. Ibrahim alayhi salam became the most noble and favored of the malaika and the angels. And the Quran al-Kareem was revealed upon the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. And Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's heart. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam became the most favored of all Allah Ta'ala's creation. Khatamun Nabiyyin, Sayyidul Mursaleen, Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. And therefore the commentators explain that if this Qur'an al-Kareem is brought into the heart of a mu'min and believer, it brought the best out of everything that it was revealed upon and was brought by. Therefore, that heart of that mu'min and that believer will become the best heart among hearts. And therefore, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's dua is, Ya muqallib al-kuloob, thabbit qalbi ala deen. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's dua brought to us, and the one that he should recite frequently, was that, O transformer of the heart, O purifier of the heart, O changer of the heart, turner of the heart, sabbit palbi ala dinik, bring my heart in conformity with your pleasure. Bring my heart in conformity with your obedience. Imbue my heart with your love and your muhabbat, your special grace, your recognition, and your remembrance. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us with these beautiful uh, favors and special favors that Allah Taala grants to the people of the heart. And that is why a person who transforms his heart, a person who purifies his heart, a person who has focus upon his heart, he is known as, or they are known as the Ahle Dil. They are known as Ahle Dil, people of the heart. Like how people who occupy themselves with the Quran Al-Kareem and have become true reciters and followers of the Quran Al-Kareem, they are known as Ahlul Quran, Ahlullah, the family of Allah. The family of the Qur'an, the people of the Qur'an, in the same way people who actually uphold the tenets of the heart and make the heart into a vessel that uh, is contains, the, it becomes the residence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's remembrance and Allah ta'ala's muhabbat and love and obedience, then that person becomes ahle dil. And in this month of Ramadan, my dear friends, we ask Allah ta'ala for many favors. 
And we should ask Allah Ta'ala to our heart's content. For everything that we need, we are all uh, dependent on Allah Ta'ala's ni'mats. We are the fuqara. Wallahu al-ghani. Wa'antumul fuqara is the treasurer. Allah has everything in his khazana and his treasury. And we are the fuqara. We are in need. We are the destitute. And we should express our needs and our desires and our wants from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with a great amount of, a great amount of humility. And we should, we should actually express our destitution to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam taught us in the dua how to express our destitution. He referred Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you look at the entire dua that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made after ta'if, what words, what expressions, what level of humility, and how Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam reached out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in those duas. Really, these are the true treasures of the world. These are the treasures of all treasures. My dear friends, this month of Ramadan comes to aliven our consciousness, to aliven our direction, to revive the spirit that we should be living with. Because over time and over the, over the days and the months of the year, we find that the spirit dies out, it wears out. And we become engrossed and we become overwhelmed by so much that happens around us in this world, in this life. And it is human for that to happen because life is not easy, life is difficult. In many respects, every person ha- is beset with his own set of challenges. No one has no challenges. No one has is free of problems. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not create the cycle of the world like this. Whichever way it may be, whether a person accepts it, acknowledges it, or a person is in denial of his problems and challenges, everyone is beset with this face set of, of difficulties. However, we find that the person who actually is able to relate with the Quran al-Kareem in a manner that he rises above these challenges and he is able to use the profoundness of the Quran, the power of the Quran, the uh, the, the message and the teachings of the Quran al-Kareem to be able to overcome these difficulties, then inshallah, such a person now becomes a bearer of the Quran al-Kareem and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala imbues him with strength, with courage, with wisdom, with hikmah, with understanding, with a spiritual drive that he is able to overcome the challenges that face people in this world and he is able to see his bigger goal and the bigger picture of the life of the Akhirah and reach there with salama and afia. So in this month of Ramadan, uh, limiting ourselves to the du'as of this world only is falling short. Right? We obviously focus sometimes on what we need of this world. We want Allah Ta'ala to rid us of our problems. We want Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala to help us overcome our challenges. And indeed, we should ask Allah Ta'ala for all of that. Because those treasures belong to Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. But the greater treasure, the treasures of all treasures... And the true ni'mats and, and benefits and bounties that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives his servants and his slaves, that is the treasures of the heart. And that is what we are speaking about. Right from the outset, we spoke about the Quran al-Kareem being the, being the crowning jewel of Ramadan al-Mubarak. And uh, these are the treasures that we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for to transform our hearts, to change our hearts, to the turner of the heart, to turn our heart. And therefore we find that the Quran al-Kareem is there to play that central role. If we have to look at the relationship that the Sahaba, Ikram, Ridwanullah ta'ala alim enjoyed with the Quran al-Kareem, it is really mind-blowing to think that they had such a strong relationship with this wahi. When Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wa sallam passed away, the sahaba were in shock. The sahaba, many of them were inconsolable. 
Some of them had fallen unconscious. We know Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala's position at that time. And uh, there was a situation of complete confusion and disarray. However, the commentators explained that the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhu suffered two major losses upon the demise. It was the loss of the companionship of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, right? They enjoyed Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa They used to sit with him. They used to learn from him. They used to enjoy his compassion, his shafat, his kindness towards them. And just his presence itself was like a, a sense of life that used to infuse into the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala anhum. So this was one thing that they would now really miss that Nabi Sallallahu was no more with them. But the other thing that has been mentioned that the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala grieved immensely upon with the demise of Nabi Sallallahu was the fact that now no more wahi will come down upon the earth. There was now a cessation and a termination of wahi and revelation. And the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala never experienced this in their life ever because the Quran al-Kareem was ever present in their lives. Everything that was happening was referenced by the Quran al-Kareem. Everything that happened, the battles and any law, any difficulty, any situation that had occurred and had come up, the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala would know exactly that now a revelation will be revealed and this matter will be resolved. And therefore the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala were the most sincere servants and human beings in this world. Because they understood that they could not hide anything from anyone. They could not hide anything from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And if they tried to do that, then wahi would reveal upon them and they would be exposed. So when we look at the example of Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, we find during the incident of uh, her accusation and allegation during the battle of Bani al-Mustaliq, a lengthy incident which is mentioned in Surah An-Nur. Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha at that time, uh, she went to her parents' house and she then resigned herself to the hope that now only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be able to exonerate her from this difficulty that she found herself in. The entire Medina was now buzzing with the rumor that Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha was, uh, had committed an act of immodesty and uh, uh, there was there's a long lengthy incident we can't go into the details but there were some Muslims who had also joined the hypocrites Abdullah bin Ubayyah Salul who was the chief fomenter and antagonizer of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he was the one who started this whole uh, issue however the point that I'm trying to make here is that Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha now resigned herself that I will wait for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to respond to my call to to declare my innocence. And this was the relationship that the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala had with the Quran al-Kareem, that they had this conviction and they had this great amount of reliance in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's favor that he would reveal the ayat or he would exonerate them. And the down which are in Surah Nur, till the end of the ruku. Then Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala who mentioned that I had this conviction that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would declare my innocence. But I had no idea that so many ayat of the Quran al-Kareem, verses of the Quran Sharif will be revealed in my honor and will be recited till the end of time. And this was a means of great consolation for her and an amount of great happiness that she was exonerated by none other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran al-Kareem. Similarly, we find the example of a companion, a sahabia by the name of Hawla bint Thalaba. And uh, there, uh, there is an entire surah that is named after her. She was a woman who had difficulty with her, uh, her husband. She had some matrimonial problem. 
And it led to a point where the husband had now separated himself from her by with the concept of zihar. Zihar means for a husband to equate the back of his wife to the back of his mother. And eventually, uh, this had now created a situation of irre- irrevocability. And this woman was extremely now saddened and distraught by the situation. And she went to complain to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. She came to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and said, Ya Rasulullah, I have dedicated and devoted my youth to this man. I have freed my womb for him. He has used my money. He has benefited from me in so many ways. And today this is the outcome and this is the result. Oh Rasulullah, give a ruling as far as this particular matter is concerned. Nabi Karim Sallallahu told her that I cannot... Uh, I cannot del- deliver any opinion on this matter because no revelation has been uh, has come down as far as this matter is concerned. This woman goes back home. She had a few words with Nabi Sallallahu and she goes back home and she then pleads to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala on her musalla that Oh Allah, now you create an opening for me. And then the ayat of Surah Al Mujadala comes down. Qad Allahu such what a direct relationship and ta'alluq that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has heard the complaint of this woman who complained to you, O Rasulullah sallallahu with regards to her husband. So this is the degree and the level of relationship that the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala had with the Quran al-Kareem and with the Wahi. And this is why they were so grieved upon the demise of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Similarly, we find the incident of uh, Umar Ayman radiallahu ta'ala anha, who was, uh, her name was Baraka. Uh, extremely beautiful seerah and history to read about this particular personality. She was a woman of African origin. She was an Abyssinian. And she was in the service of the parents of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam before the birth of Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The historians write that the woman who was the first woman to hold Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in her arms was none other than Baraka Umm Ayman radiallahu ta'ala. And she spent her entire life in the khidmat and in the service of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and his parents. When Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's mother passed away at Al-Abwa outside Madinah al-Munawwara, it was herself, it was Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's mother Amina and herself. Three of them. So she shared in the tears of Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam at the time of the demise of his mother. And therefore Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Ummah Ayman, you are my mother. Nabi used to refer to her as her mother. When she made a very difficult journey from Makkatul Mukarramah to Madinatul Munawwara, Adiyas Hijra she made. When she reached Madinatul Munawwara, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gave her the glad tidings, Oh my mother, today Jannah is guaranteed for you. When Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam passes away, Hazrat Abu Bakr and Umar Radiallahu Ta'ala go to visit her, the mother of Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And they are consoling her upon the demise of her son, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And as they are consoling her, she begins to cry and weep. And the Sahaba, Hazrat Umar al-Yanwa, also begin to cry and weep with her. And after a while, they ask her, Oh, Umar Ayman, why are you weeping so much? Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa has gone to a better abode. He is now with Allah ta'ala, etc. They're giving her the consolation. She tells them that I am not crying because Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has passed away. But my reason for crying is because... The revelation and the wahi that used to come down because of Nabi Sallallahu presence among us will now be terminated. And we will no longer enjoy the benefit of wahi because Nabi Sallallahu is no longer with us. So again, we find how much of importance and how uh, closely associated and related the Sahaba were to the wahi that they actually grieved upon the non-revelation of wahi any longer as much as they grieved upon the demise of Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alihi Wasallam. So my dear friends, in this month of Ramadan al-Mubarak, this is the focus, this is the objective, this is the goal. That we, of course, are 
living in, uh, uh, in, in, we are beset with a lot of challenges. We know the times that we are living in. We know the difficulties that we are going, the ummah is undergoing. And according to the analysis of many of the scholars of Islam, one of the major reasons for us being unable to effectively respond to our challenges and embrace them is because of our lack of relationship with the Qur'an, because of our lack of appreciation of the Qur'an and because of us to, the, to an extent having abandoned the Qur'an al-Kareem. This is mentioned in the Qur'an al-Kareem that Ya Rabbi inna qawmi takhadu hadha al-Qur'an mahjura. The messenger complained to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that my people have actually abandoned the Qur'an al-Kareem. So, whilst we may be reciting the Qur'an, we may have the Qur'an, we may be teaching the Qur'an al-Kareem, but the actual uh, assessment and evaluation that needs to be made is to what extent are we connected to the Qur'an al-Kareem. Of course, the recitation of the Qur'an al-Kareem is an important relationship that we enjoy, and we must recite the Qur'an al-Kareem correctly. To teach the Qur'an, tahfiz al-Qur'an is important, and alhamdulillah, a lot of this happens. However, there is a gap, there is... A, uh, there is a dirt as far as this particular aspect is concerned, and that comes as far as us being able to appreciate the message of the Qur'an, to actually practically live the Qur'an al-Kareem in our life. And therefore we find Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in this dua when he says, Ya muqallib al-kuloom, tabbit qalbi ala deenik. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asks for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to transform his heart through the Qur'an al-Kareem. Because the Qur'an al-Kareem is actually the transformer. We understand that the sun and the moon are in orbit. And uh, that is the physical orbit of the earth. The Qur'an al-Kareem can be regarded to be in orbit of the hearts of women. The Qur'an al-Kareem is constantly in orbit. And that heart which is receptive to the Qur'an, that heart which is desiring the Qur'an al-Kareem, and that heart which is focused, focuses itself towards al-Qur'an, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses that heart with the true secrets and the true ni'mat and true bounty of the Qur'an al-Kareem. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from among such people they say that the Qur'an al-Kareem reveals its secrets to its true friends. We have to become the, the loyal friends of the Qur'an al-Kareem. We have to be loyal companions. We cannot just have the Qur'an al-Kareem as a surface relationship or as a casual relationship. The relationship has to be a true, ro- 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 loyal and sincere relationship. And then we will find how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will transform this heart to al-Qur'an al-Kareem. So my dear friends, May Allah tabarakuhu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq in this month of Ramadan. Make this a life-changing Ramadan. Make it a heart-changing Ramadan. Make it a true Ramadan for us and make it the best Ramadan for us. The responsibilities that we have to the Qur'an al-Kareem, we should fulfill them fully. That's why Allah ta'ala uh, calls upon us in the Qur'an al-Kareem, Udkhulu fi silmi kafa. Enter into our deen and Islam fully. Enter into the relationship with the Qur'an al-Kareem completely, not half-heartedly, not on a surface basis. The, uh, the responsibility of believing in the Qur'an, the aqidah and the belief of the Qur'an al-Kareem, the relationship as far as our love and reverence of the Qur'an al-Kareem, the relationship as far as uh, the recitation and the respect of the Qur'an al-Kareem, the relationship as far as our practicing of the Qur'an al-Kareem, implementation of the Qur'an al-Kareem, living the mizaj and the spirit of the Qur'an al-Kareem, and of course our relationship as far as promotion and propagation of the Qur'an al-Kareem. These are the basic five responsibilities that we have to the Qur'an al-Kareem. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us, imbue us with a true understanding and meaning of the Qur'an al-Kareem. And there has to be an effort and initiative. It cannot be wishful. We cannot just hope and wish one day that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will wake up and Allah ta'ala will adorn our heart with the meaning of the Qur'an and the understanding of the Qur'an and the mizad of the Qur'an. 
We have to make the necessary effort, and it is a struggle. We find that to learn to recite the Quran al-Karim may be a little difficult, but it is easy. To memorize the Quran al-Karim is not difficult, it is easy. To learn and to uh, learn the meaning of the Quran al-Karim, the tafsir of the Quran al-Karim is not very difficult, it is easy. But the real challenge of the Quran al-Karim is be able to walk the Quran al-Karim is be able to exude the true spirit of the Qur'an al-Kareem, the akhlaq of the Qur'an al-Kareem. And therefore, Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, when she was asked that what is the akhlaq of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, tell me something about the personality of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, it was very simple for her to respond. She said, khulukuhu al-Qur'an, that the Qur'an al-Kareem is the open book if you want to read about the akhlaq of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if you want to know the speech of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, if you want to know how Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam treated his family, if you want to attend public life of Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then khuluquhu al-Qur'an. And that is our aspiration. That is what we should try to aim for and desire, that when people see us and people interact with us and people look at us, then they are able to see a reflection of the Qur'an al-Kareem. May Allah Ta'ala imbue us and inspire us and grant us this great ni'mat and bounty. May Allah Ta'ala through the barakat of Ramadan al-Mubarak grant us our complete maghfirah and purification and islah and transformation and reformation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for the Muslims around the world, especially the Muslims of Al-Aqsa and Palestine and Gaza at the moment. We are receiving news of the atrocities that are taking place there all the time. And we make earnest dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We should make dua after we recite our Quran al-Kareem, make dhikr, a time of fasting. There are so many opportunities for acceptance of dua. So this is our weapon. This is one of our most powerful uh, opportunities that we have in the month of Ramadan to make earnest dua and whatever other measures that we can take as far as contribution, as far as uh, visiting, as far as other interventions that can be done which are uh, within the ambit of the law and ambit of the sharia, then we should try and aspire to do this. May Allah ta'ala grant each to everyone.